Hi, welcome to season three of Qubytes, your bite-sized pieces of quantum computing. My name is Rene from Alarm Reply, and today we're going to talk about applied quantum security. And for this, I'm very honored to have a special expert guest today, Patrick Heinz. Hi, Patrick. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, Rene. How are you doing? Doing also very well. And Patrick, I know you also speak very well German, so wir könnten auch Deutsch reden, but let's stick to English to be more inclusive for everyone, right? I was able to practice. <laughs> yeah, and, and I always notice you speak fantastic German, in fact. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background as it relates to quantum computing and security and, and the related topics? Sure. Uh, I went to the United States Military Academy at West Point, and there they poured math and science down our throats. I think I took 19 credits of calculus while I was there. Uh, so I was kind of predisposed to physics and, and the math that's involved. Um, I was an infantry platoon leader in the first Gulf War, and that got me cemented into the security side of things. And I run a software and security consulting company. Um, so I kind of invested to pay attention to the security and what's going on. And, and that's what we want to talk about today, I think. Yes. So like you said, let's dive into today's topic with quantum security. And so in the previous season of Qubytes in season two, we already talked with your friend Cyprian, who's not just also a fellow Microsoft regional director like we both are, but also the co-host for your own quantum computing podcast called Entangled Things, which is an amazing name, by the way. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about that show and maybe share one of the highlights from one of the last episodes? Uh, sure. We've, uh, it's been very exciting. And I, I'm sure you know, because you've been doing this podcast uh, on this exciting topic. Um, we just had uh, guests from D-Wave talking about one of their latest discoveries with uh, Los Alamos National Laboratory. Um, there's a lot going on in this space. There's too much going on in this space. And so I think the more people like yourself and, and us that are talking about it, the better off we'll all be, because this is going to change the world fundamentally. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we hit that many times in the past, but for quantum computing, this is definitely true because this will help us to solve the big challenges, right, With yeah. um, the, that we cannot solve with uh, today's computing. But let's talk about quantum security. And in the previous episodes of Qubytes, we already had uh, some guests related to quantum security, for example, Leah Yentgen or Xenia, and where we talked about the threat for, of quantum security, but also that there are opportunities like quantum key distribution and a couple of other things. And so what is your opinion? And can you share some examples where you see maybe like see it as a threat, but also the opportunities for security? Yeah, it's, it kind of gives with one hand and takes with the other. So um, as you know, RSA and, and other uh, public-private key encryption is, is under threat because of Shor's algorithm, which allows us to do um, factoring. It, that's an oversimplification, but, but effectively it puts those... Um, those encryptions at risk. It, it also endangers uh, shared key because it allows brute force to be conducted. Uh, that kind of gets downplayed because whether it takes 500 years or 250 years to break a key doesn't really matter. But when it goes from 5,000 years to 30 seconds, that matters quite a bit. Um, but on the other hand, there's, there's some really interesting um, thoughts and, and protocols that have come out. Like BB84 is the one I like to talk about. Uh, BB84 was um, Bennett and, um, and, and some other colleagues came up in 1984 with a mechanism for sharing bits, a stream of bits that is truly random to create a one-time pad. So the idea would be you and I would trade bits, generate a, a unique key, and then send a message with that. 
and we would continuously do that. And the key strength of it is it's it's not unintercepted, but it can't be intercepted without detection. So if someone were listening to our generation of those keys, we would know it and we would know not to use those keys. So basically you can identify if there's a man in the middle attack happening, right? And Mathematically, yeah. It's 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 based on the, the probabilities. There's, there's no mistaking the signature if someone's listening. And that's very, very superior, as you can tell, to the way we do things now. Exactly. And and this is also being distributed with uh, satellite communication, right? That you can use actually satellites that are orbiting around Earth for this super secure um, communication channel, right? Yes. The, the idea is that you want to, um, I mean, the, the limits that are being pushed is how far and how fast, how many yeah. bits, you know, we're, we're still not at the point where you can encrypt a video stream, I don't think. Uh, I think um, the Chinese government has published that they've been able to do Uh, like I think 1,900 kilometers uh, of communication, and part of the the challenge here is you can't you can't replicate these bit qubits. You can entangle them further, but I can't make a copy, and that's really where the security comes from. The no the no cloning theorem means right. that if I intercept your entangled photon, I can't make a copy of it and then send the copy on and fool you. That's why I'll always know if you're in the middle. Got it. Got it. And and so, like you also said, it's also a threat for the security and the current um, basis of basically secure Internet communication, right, which is, um, you know, based on cryptography. And uh, that can be uh, with Shor's algorithm can be cracked easily once we have enough once we have enough powerful quantum computers in the end. Right. And so my question for you is. Like, what should enterprise users do now to be prepared for this quantum computing supremacy and to not face a surprise like we faced back in the days with the Y2K bug, right? I, I hope I'm not sharing our age here mentioning the Y2K bug and the millennial bug. But for the younger folks here, Y2K was basically a widespread computer programming shortcut that was expected to cause extensive havoc, actually, as the year changed from 1999 to the year 2000, because most systems, or not most systems, but some systems had the year encoded only with four characters, uh, with two characters instead of four, right? right? So they were thinking when it switched to 2000, it switched to 1900 and not 2000, right? That was basically the Y2K bug. Right. Uh, in the end, it all went mostly fine because major systems were actually upgraded in advance before to handle now years with four numbers and not just two digits. And so that, in the end, you know, worked out because a lot of companies finally realized, oh, we have to do something because otherwise we might face this big bug happening at midnight uh, when we reach the millennium. But anyhow, so what should... And, you know, we, of course, learned the lessons, right? And what do you think should enterprise users do now to be prepared for this quantum computing supremacy to not be faced, you know, over midnight, basically, by, hey, all, all our security algorithms are broken now, basically? I think that's a very, very important question because there's a lot of different ways you can handle this. Some people would say, well, quantum computing has been coming for 10 years, for 50 years. That's not true anymore. We've got systems with qubits, and they're going up at a fairly rapid pace. Um, because of that, uh, you, you really have to pick your poison. Do you want to dive into quantum and try to be among the first to use the quantum key distribution? Um, it, I, I pay a lot of attention to the governments and what they're doing, and China has been very much ahead 
in the quantum communication side. It's, it's the piece that they've decided to specialize in. Um, that could be a very expensive proposition. It's something you could just definitely pay attention to. One of the things you can do is use larger keys. Um, in order for Shor's algorithm to break uh, a, a, um, an encryption, a, a, a public-private key encryption, it needs more and more qubits the larger the key is. And so if you're using 1,024-bit encryption, maybe you want to dump up to, to 4,096 um, instead. That's a delaying action. That's a, well, let's deal with this a little bit and give buy ourselves some time. But it is a way to buy some time. We're still far away from a point in terms of how many qubits are available to how you could break a 1,024-bit public-private key. Mm -hmm. But there's a prediction that it could come fast, especially as the innovations keep coming. Yeah, yeah, and and just like you were saying, the the progress that we're seeing with the advancements in quantum computing hardware is really mind-boggling. Um, I just saw a report or like an announcement from IBM, basically. Um, IBM is also one of the big players when it comes to quantum computing hardware and as well as software, right? Um, so they they currently have a quantum computer with sixty-five qubits. And they said by the end of this year, 2021, they expect to have a device with 121 qubits. Yeah. So almost doubled it. And uh, that is pretty impressive already. But what they also wrote is by the end of 2023, so around like two years from now, IBM is expected to have a quantum computer in the cloud with more than 1,000 qubits. And this is when things get really, really interesting. And, uh, and it's not a long time ahead. So definitely, we you know, Business leaders should plan ahead and think about it. Also, you know, post-quantum cryptography. I mean, there's a lot of research for new cryptography algorithms, but all of that will take some time until it's implemented, right? So we got to think about it right now because it's coming and there's no way it's going to be stopped. Agreed, agreed. And, and it's exciting. It's also terrifying to some people. It's going to disrupt a lot of businesses because um, most people don't even realize where they're using encryption. That's one of the first things they can do right now is make an inventory of where you're using encryption, what level of encryption it is, what met style of encryption it is. Yeah. Um, again, the public-private key uh, is the one in most at risk. So a, a shared password, well, we've all denigrated shared passwords over the years. They, 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 they're, they're a horrible scourge and an, <laughs> and, and an incredibly useful tool at the same time. Um, you need to know what your passwords are, where they are, and, and make them as so strong as possible. Um, I think if you start there, that's probably the best place for anybody to, 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 to begin. Agreed. Um, well, we're already at the end of the show. We could talk for many more hours around this topic. But anyhow, thank you so much, Patrick, for joining us today and sharing your insights. It's very much appreciated. Vielen Dank. <laughs> there we go. Um, and, and thanks everyone for joining us for yet another episode of Cuba. It's now season three. Um, watch our blog, follow our social media channels to hear all about the next episodes of Cuba season three. Take care and see you soon. Bye bye.